shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself any idols. You shall not provoke the malice the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day.
longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and your kingdom shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. The word of the Lord.
to the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there a violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God and in whom we believed, <clears throat> gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead was handed over to death for our trespasses, and was raised for our justification. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd of his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord.
So in other words, it was a human, it was a human adventure, not a, not a heavenly one. And we recognize in that discussion, if you could call it a discussion between Peter and Jesus, that Jesus says, Peter, your mind is on earthly things, not on heavenly things. Jesus' vision of what it was to be the Son of Man, he described to the people by saying that the Son of Man must suffer be rejected by the authorities of the temple, be killed, and then in three days rise again. But apparently Peter never heard the part about three days rise again. Because all Peter heard was this was not going to be the kind of Messiah that he had in mind at all. Not at all. And here he was telling it to all the people. So Peter pulls him off to the side and rebukes him. And that's when Jesus says, me because Jesus recognized what Peter was saying to him. It's the same thing that he was being tempted by the wilderness. And that was to have earthly power, to have earthly dominion. And that is not what he was called to do. So I think what we see in that uh, conflict between Jesus and Peter, it, at his heart, is his understanding of what he was called to what kind of a person is he to be there as the incarnate one? Not to be the Messiah to overthrow the Romans and establish the Davidic kingdom. Well, then Jesus turns to the crowd and he begins to address them about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of mine? And he says that there are two things. One must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That first part about denying self has often been, I think, greatly misunderstood. Uh, as someone put it, it is not doormat theology. We are not to become doormats. We're not to deny the essence of who we are. We were created in the image of God. So it does not have to do with that. But rather, I think what it really focuses on is realizing we're not the center of the universe. Now, as an only child, that's not easy for me to say. <laughs> but I think that's what it's calling us to. 
I was sitting here this morning during the liturgy of the Word, I was looking up at this uh, transept, and again I saw that pink window that's there, and there's another one over there. Uh, some of you know that in the 70s, uh, this church extended love to some people who needed love a lot. They were young folks who needed a place to go. And the place, as it became called, was a refuge for young people. Now, this was the kind of love that's hard for a parish to give. This was a new church, and there were young folks coming who had problems with drugs and alcohol. They were, I've heard stories of them dancing on the altar. I've heard all kinds of stories. And it, in many ways, caused division in this church and in the community as well. But I think that that was an expression as a cross. It was not easy for this congregation to do that. And then, apparently, one of the youth uh, knocked out one of those windows. And it was decided that there would be a pink window put there to always remind us of the love that's extended to those young people. But it should also remind us of the pain associated with that love. That love was And you know, there are people yet today in this congregation that struggle with what happened during that period. But I believe we can be confident that as hard as it was, and as much as we might still have feelings about that having been one of those really bad times, I think that was the cross of love. The theologian Joseph Small says that a theology of the cross declares that the church is not Christendom. Faith is not certain. Hope is not optimism. And love is not pains. I believe that Oscar Romero was able to truly live his life as a disciple of Christ. That was the only thing he really wanted to do all his life. We may not have to give our life but we do know what we're called to. We're called to set aside stuff for others. And we're called to bear the cross of love, real, deep, enduring love.
the Anglican cycle of prayer we pray to the Diocese of Mbali in Uganda. For Justin, Archbishop, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for unity in the worldwide Anglican community. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of All Saints Episcopal Church in the North Shore of Danvers, Church of the Good Shepherd, Denham, St. Paul's Church, Denham, the Trustees of Donations, and Deanery co conveners In our parish, we pray for the building project and the safety of the construction crew. Pray for the church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. We pray especially today for those Christian communities who are suffering in the Middle East. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they may find and be found. I ask for prayers for the departed. Pray for those who have died. We remember those for whom we have been asked to pray. Peter, Martha, Carol, Alice, Janet, Mary, Betsy, Gail, John, Robin, Ross, Rick, Sue, Raven, Phyllis, Minnie, Kathy and Michael, Trey, Kristen, Margaret, Amy, Mary Emily, Dan, Amy, Susan, Claire, Kirsty, Jim, Don, Ben, Robin, Bobby and Dale, Wynn, Cleary family, Harry, Wynn and Jenny, Spencer and Louisa, Olive, Kathy, Eliona, Reverend Stephen, Susan, Deborah, Jane, Edie, Liz, those without jobs, those serving in the military, and all who work for peace. Are there others? Pray for those for whom we care and love. I invite your prayers and intercessions at this time, either silently or aloud. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have more grace to glorify Christ in our own day. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls. And to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
happens every year on the first Friday of March, that's this coming Friday, the 6th, in 170 countries, including the Philippines, Croatia, France, Syria, Sierra Leone, Honduras, Canada, and the U.S., and Mexico. In Concord, we celebrated it since the late 1920s. Rotate the service year to year through First Parish, Trinitarian Congregational, West Concord Union, Native Episcopal, and this year's host, Holy Family, in Argument Square. Lunch follows the service, and wonderful conversations happen next year in I remember some years back sitting with Nancy Beecher and Lee Doherty. Thank you. 
Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice.
right and good and joyful, to give you thanks, all holy God, source of life and fountain of mercy. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the gospel feast, that fervent in prayer and in works of mercy, and renewed by your word and sacraments, they may come to the fullness of grace, which you have prepared for those who love you. Therefore, joining with angels and archangels and with the faithful of every generation, we lift our voices with all creation as we sing. Remembering his death and resurrection, we now present to you from 
bread and this wine. By your Holy Spirit, may they be for us the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grant that we who share these gifts may be filled with the Holy Spirit and live as Christ's body in the world. Bring us into the everlasting heritage of your daughters and sons, that with all your saints, past, present, and yet to come, we may praise your name forever. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, to you be honor, glory, and praise forever and ever. Amen. And now, as Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our
Blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you.